Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truer Love Stories, the podcast where I anonymously coach people in real time about any love concerns or questions that are coming up for them and maybe keeping them stuck, either repeating the same kinds of patterns in relationships or just not knowing where to go from where they are currently. So I'm so happy to have you here. I hope that whatever we share today provides some value to you and some insight in your own love journey. So I think today's guest really asks a very important question. Uh, And I'm really glad she came to me for some clarification about it. She is actually a client of mine, so we've worked one-on-one, and she also took a workshop that I taught called The One Rule. And in this workshop, I shared that the one rule I have in relationships of any kind, but especially in romantic ones, is asking yourself, am I comfortable with this every step of the way? So I know this rule sounds super basic and how is that going to help me in relationships? And we talk about it a bit in the episode, but the key comes down to, of course, that it's rooted in attachment theory, right? And it's about getting our needs met. And so this client of mine took that workshop and really resonated with that question, but had some follow-up questions from it. And so she asks them in this episode, And something she touches on that I think is really key for us to pay attention to is the narrative that relationships and love are supposed to be hard, that they take compromise and hard work. The idea that they're not supposed to be easy and that we should actually expect them to be uncomfortable. And I think that while relationships, right, aren't necessarily always easy, I think that that's a really um, unhelpful and harmful way to look at them because it keeps us in relationships that aren't working uh, because it justifies us staying, right? And it makes us think that there's more we can do. There's more I can do. Like, have I done enough? You know, we we are so preoccupied with making that relationship last that we are not comfortable, right? That we live with the discomfort waiting for that relationship to change. And so that's really what we get into in this episode. And I think that if you are in a relationship where you feel stuck or if you're repeating patterns of dating people that aren't really going anywhere, I think this episode is absolutely for you. I think there's a lot to gain. My guest really just very eloquently poses these questions and um, poses this problem that she had in, in some of her past relationships. So I hope it resonates with you. I hope you take something away. And 
as usual, if you have any questions or comments or follow-ups about this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore, where you can always shoot me a personal email at hello at truerlove.com. All right, with that said, let's hear today's episode. Okay, welcome to the show. So you recently took my workshop, The One Rule, and you've been a client of mine for a while, and you said that one rule resonated with you, but you had some follow-up questions about it, kind of wanted to go deeper. So I thought this would be a great space to do that. So if you wouldn't mind letting us know what your questions are regarding that one rule I brought up, and we can, of course, reiterate what that rule is over the course of the show, um, and also just give us maybe a little bit of background on your dating life, where you are in your love story right now. Okay, sounds good. So I am uh, 36, and I have been dating basically, you know, my whole adult life. Um, I've had boyfriends here and there. And as of now, I am a single mom, mostly by choice, not preferred, but I was getting older and sort of took it upon myself to try to become a mother. And so I have a beautiful three-year-old son And we uh, lived together, just he and I. And I basically uh, came out of my longest relationship that I've ever had, which was a two-year relationship uh, with someone that I met on OkCupid. I met him when my son was, I think it was like six months old. And so uh, then the pandemic hit and everyone knows what that's like. Um, So I came out of that relationship at the end of August. So I was really curious on working with you, just given the fact that I continue to have these failed relationships. I continue to compromise a lot, thinking that that's what you need to do in relationships. Um, I think with our sessions that we've had, I've shared with you that I just, I thought that certain things are worth, um, you know, compromising or that there are certain times of a relationship that are hard or, um, you know, if I'm uncomfortable, that's just part of the relationship. It's not necessarily a red flag. It's just that sometimes you have to go through tough times together to kind of come at it on, at the other, on the other side. And so the reason I wanted to have this more in-depth conversation with you about your one rule, which is, are you comfortable with this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And it doesn't at the same time, because again, I feel like over the years I have built a thick skin, um, just in general, like I'm very financially independent. I've moved a lot. I like every year in my adult life up until recently, I'm very, um, savvy, resourceful, I've, I've sort of been raised to be that way, to be resourceful, to, you know, put in the hard work, put in the hard times. And I assume that's sort of what it takes for a relationship as well. In all the other facets of my life, that's 
how I've done it is I work hard, I compromise, I put in the hours, I, you know, and, and eventually I see results. Like my career is successful. I have a son, you know, I have strong friendships, you know, there's certain things that are wonderful in my life, but for some reason, that relationship that I want with a man, with a companion, with a partner, the stuff I've done for other facets of my life don't translate to the love life. Right. And so that's where I'm lost. Yeah. And I would say the first reason for that is because those are things you have control over on your own. Right. And we don't have full control over another person. Right. So if you're making compromises, the question is, is that person also compromising? Right? Right. Because if the other person isn't also compromising, then it's not compromise, it's sacrifice. And this is a common thing too, I think, you know, with women especially, um, we are very good at getting shit done. Right. Mm -hmm. We have an ability. It's, I think it's the mama bear instincts to just get it done. And we have a goal and we focus and we go for it, but men don't want to be conquered in that way. Do you know what I mean? And I would say people, not just men, you know? And so it's a different energy that comes, um, with that because you're kind of coming together to create that energy together if that makes sense. And, and that's where, again, this compromise has to be even handed. And so is that all making sense? Yeah. I think I definitely looking back, if, if we want to just kind of even focus on the most recent relationship I had, Mm -hmm. he was someone who worked a lot. He was a definition of a workaholic, rarely slept, just like burnt himself to the ground, um, kind of guy, Um, and a lot of his narrative was he was compromising or even sacrificing himself for the benefit of us in the future where he could help, um, you know, have, have a foundation for us, like financially, basically, I recognize that I've probably dated too many broke men, (laughs) which is probably part of my problem, but I have dated other people who have like jobs, you know, it's not like I only seek people who are financially unstable, but this individual, you know, really clicked with me in so many ways, our drive, our vision, our just sort of the way we spoke about life was so inspiring. But looking back now that we're not together, I, the reason I basically broke up with him was because I noticed he sacrificed himself for others before me. Mm-hmm. And that's what really broke the camel's back, so to speak. That's really why I just, I let him go because he was sacrificing himself. I mean, obviously, so he had a daughter. I was fine with the fact that he was a parent. I, we were both single parents. We both became single parents on our own terms. He had a surrogate um, per, uh, surrogate woman and I ended up having a friend help me get pregnant. So we had a lot of commonalities about parenthood and, um, you know, and business and just like having a vision of life and values. I felt like we had a lot of similar values, but then I just noticed his behavior on just how he would put others before me, including his own shitty employees. 
Um, and that's basically when I just, I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't show my son that we are so marginalized that we are like the sixth on the totem pole for this individual. And that's basically why I gave up. And I think that's, I, I do appreciate that you brought that up compromise versus sacrifice. And I felt like maybe both he and I were sacrificing and not really compromising. Like, I don't know if it was, maybe we both were, um, you know, trying in our own ways, but we weren't actually trying for each other in the best way, in the most appropriate way. Um, and that's essentially why I just, I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. And then also I, I've shared with you that like, he had a lot of walls up. I know that look now I understand he was avoidant. I'm fearful attachment style, but he had so many walls that one of the walls was I wasn't allowed to meet the mother of his child. And he kept saying, you know, it would be when it was the right time. And I was so confused. I'm like, it's been two years. Like when is the right time? I recognize we were in the COVID world and we don't want to, you know, infect each other or anything like that. But there were times where we could have met each other. We could go to a park. We could be outside. We could play. Like, there's so many options. But his response as we were getting closer, or as at least I thought we were getting closer, his response started to revert to what the baby mom wanted, what the mother of the child wanted, Mm -hmm. not what he wanted, not what I wanted. And that's the stuff I couldn't handle anymore. I'm like, it sounds like I'm in a three-way relationship without even knowing this third person. And I can't handle that. And so all that said, my question was, were you comfortable? No. No. You were uncomfortable with the situation. I was uncomfortable with the situation. Absolutely. And I remember when you brought this up to me initially before this call, when you said, you know, I really appreciate this rule. I hadn't asked myself before if I was comfortable in a given relationship, but there were things I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a really good question because yes, oftentimes we are comfortable with certain things. Right. But then it sounds like you are comfortable with X, Y, and Z but you right. swept these other things under the rug that you were uncomfortable with. And, well, yeah. I don't know if I would say I swept it under the rug as much as I tried to give him his time. Right. Right. Like you want to respect people's boundaries and spaces and all of that. And he wouldn't invite me over to that house where he resided and he lived with this, um, the mother of their child as well as the child. So as time went on, I felt like he was really just protecting that household as his primary household and that I would never be the primary household, that I would never be uh, the priority because he's already decided. Mm-hmm. And that it was, it was the actions versus the narrative that I couldn't swallow anymore. Right as time went on. And that's what made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because actions ultimately speak louder than words. Absolutely. And you know, that holds true with relationships and words are wonderful. And sometimes they're necessary too, of course, but if someone is doing one thing, but saying another, it just, you need both to be aligned. Yeah. And just going back to your rule of, am I comfortable with this? I feel like, I almost don't even know, 
I guess with your, with the rule, I'm like, when am I supposed to ask myself that? Like, aren't there times where there's relation, like there's stuff that happens in relationships that you're not comfortable? Like that's human nature, right? Where it's Absolutely. like, oh, I don't like that you did that. Or so I guess I'm just like, I don't know when I'm supposed to be aware of the comfort versus uncomfortable part. Sure. So you're always supposed to ask yourself that question. Am I comfortable with this? And the key is if the answer is no, that means it's something that's worth bringing up and trying to resolve with your partner and their willingness and ability to resolve that discomfort with you gives you information about if they're the right person for you, if they are committed to you, how much they care to fix that. And the thing is, in your situation, it sounded like he wanted to, but over time, nothing ever got resolved. So you just continued to sit in the discomfort. Yes. That was the problem. Yes. And I raised it. I would give him time. I would raise it. He would talk, he would, you know, address it. I would wait again. I would say I'm still uncomfortable. He would address me saying, well, it's, Again, the narrative would be like, well, she doesn't want to meet you. She's not, she wants to meet you when we're, when you and I are like engaged, you know? I mean, he asked me for my ring size two months before I broke up with him. I don't know if I had shared that with you, but I was like, oh my God, like he's, is he really thinking of proposing? But then I was like, this is wrong. I haven't seen where you sleep. Yeah. And you want to propose? It's a very avoidant thing to do. Is it? It's easier. What's the easy, easy part? Because for avoidant people, it's harder to be intimate in the present moment. Remember, we've talked about how vulnerability is a very present focused thing. And so they live in the past or the future. And so for your ex, I know that he was very much living in the future. He had a lot of plans. But also in the past, because he came from a place of pain. So his pain forwarded him to try to dream big. So yes, you're right. He did live a lot in the future and in the past, looking at our conversations. mm -hmm. And so the intention is there. The love is there. It's not that he didn't feel things for you. He wanted to make it work, but he didn't know how to be present with you, which is why whenever you wanted to get closer to things like meeting his baby mama, seeing his house, things like that, he had reasons or excuses and would start like getting defensive and putting up these walls, but then he can propose to you because it's something that in his mind feels safe because it's in the future. Ah, and it'll almost buy him more time. Exactly. Why not do a two-year engagement on top of the two years? And I think I noticed even myself just becoming resentful. And that's also something that makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. Like I don't, want to feel resentful towards, you know, someone I love. And I just noticed that resentment growing. I think there was one time because he was trying to start a couple new businesses. One time he had said something like, it's been two weeks, like it's going well, like you'll see like this, this is going to be good. Just, you know, it's, it's only been two weeks. And I said something like, it's been two weeks for you, but it's been two years for me. Right. Waiting for you to feel financially secure enough to be with me like you know his narrative kept trying to keep me hooked basically of like just wait just wait just wait and I'm like I've been waiting it's been two years like what what else yeah what else do you need to know right 
But so. but being a workaholic is also another avoidant mechanism. You know, oh. people who say they're so busy all the time or they right. throw themselves into work. I mean, it's really interesting too with him because he went out of his way to have a baby and have a family, but then he works all the time and isn't able to be there present with them. For his daughter. Right. But he justifies it because he thinks he's providing for his daughter. Right. But really all that's doing is keeping him from actually having a family, like a real family. Right. Having intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So it was a lot working against you. You know, you, you kept hitting these walls and that's why you, nothing was getting resolved because the idea of intimacy is that that person, when you feel uncomfortable, no matter what it is, when you voice that discomfort, the point is that that person's going to help you feel better. And that after these conversations, they're going to quiet it and make you feel better. And that process is what builds intimacy. So yes, there's conflict, but it's conflict that is, um, helpful conflict. You know, it's, it's regenerative conflict. It makes you go deeper versus pushing you away. Yeah. And I will say to that end, I think we were able to hang on for two years because there were moments of that. Like there were occasional moments. I mean, he would sometimes call me up and be like, you know, I've been thinking about what you said the other day. And that was like the first man in my life who ever would start a conversation that way. Like, I've really been thinking about what you said, but when looking back, it was more about what I said about him and his personal growth, not so much about our relationship, mm. right? It was like, he was trying to connect with me, but at the end it would be like me giving him advice on how to heal, advice on how to forgive, advice, you know? And I thought that was great on us because I'm like, oh, he's, he listens to me, like, he actually thinks of me as a value in his life, but it was all self-centered. Like it wasn't like, Hey, I've really been thinking about the fact that you haven't met so-and-so, you know, like that was never the thing that came to his mind. So it was, so, about yeah, his needs. It was about his needs. Absolutely. Your needs. And that's probably a lot of what he was attracted to in you is because you could meet his needs. Oh yeah. But he couldn't meet yours. <laughs> Right. I mean, my, my home was open to him. He would stop by every day. We talked every day. We saw each other every day. He lived five minutes away. And now that I bought a home for my son and I, obviously I wanted him to live with us. Like that would be great. And we would talk about the hypotheticals. Like, what does that look like? What What would that mean for us? And, you know, in his mind, he had it planned out, but it was never it was obvious that it was never going to actually happen with the days that were going by. And he he would find ways to stay tied to me. Like for example, I'll give you two examples. One was he was a person who specialized in marketing. So he has like a marketing business, builds websites, does coding. So he wanted to do my website. He also took the video for me for my side business. He also did my like a photo shoot for me in my living room. But as I noticed, he was intertwining in my life for my business, I kept looking at him and I'm like, I don't need a marketing specialist. I need a boyfriend. I'm like, I can hire a marketing specialist, but I can't hire a boyfriend. And so somehow he would find comfort in these other ways that I needed him, that to him were easy, that to him were like, oh yeah, you need a photo. I can do that. Oh, you need a website. I can do that. And I thought that was cool. I'm like, oh great. We're helping each other. We're, you know, we're building businesses together. 
But then like he would, you know, it would be all about that week would be like, what do we need for the photo shoot? It wasn't like, let's take you out on a date, you know, because that's where he felt confident. Right. Right. You know, he, he feels confident in that, those ways. So that's where he wanted to connect. He doesn't feel confident in the intimate ways. He doesn't mm. feel like he can meet your needs in the intimate ways. That's the thing. Avoidant people, kind of their core wound or the shadow that follows them is that because they're not good at vulnerability, there's this like subconscious fear of being incapable of love oh. and not able, like, I don't know if you've ever dated anyone else who's told you, I'm sorry, I just can't meet your needs or you have too high expectations. Have you, has anyone ever no said that? Man has, no man has ever said that. No man's ever said that to you? No oh man Oh my God, that surprises me. Ever, ever. That, that they can meet your needs or that they can't? Both. See, when I was dating, I had a lot of people tell me that my expectations were too high or that they just couldn't meet my needs. Well, I think this goes back to my issues though, that I'm not verbal enough about my needs or, mm-hmm. cons- or consist- consistent with like, I don't know. I also feel like there's a point where I want to meet someone who sees and feels and understands my needs. Obviously I will raise things I need, but like there needs to be a dance that is. Yeah. It's a balance. Yeah. It's a balance. Yeah. And I actually am shocked at the guys that I used to date that would stick around. Actually, wait, I do take that back. There is one gentleman who actually looked me up on LinkedIn on Christmas (laughs) This is my ex who I dated when I was 19 years old and again when I was like 29 years old. So we tried twice and he he was definitely one of the bigger loves of my life because there was a lot there that he even would say like, I think he broke up with me because one of the times he broke up with me was because he said, you are meant for so much more. Like he just didn't feel like he could raise, come to that come to that level that I needed someone in the right. future. It, it's, it's kind of sometimes they cloud it in, you deserve more. Right. That right. line might be it more like. That's what he would say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not, I can't meet your expectations, but like you deserve more. You're bigger than me or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. It, that's another way of saying the same thing. It's just this feeling of, I can't be what you deem me to be. And it's from their own insecurity you know, and, but it gives the message that you're too big, you're too much, you're asking too much. And that's not true. It's just their own insecurity around those issues. Okay. I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode and want to be able to apply the process I use to coach my clients for yourself, then you may be interested in taking my conscious communication mini course. This two and a half hour course has four short lessons that go in depth with attachment theory and how to use it to communicate most effectively with each style. This means communicating in a way that will either help you get closer to your partner or help you more quickly determine if they're not the right person for you. What I teach in this short course is the foundation of all my coaching work. It's about how to get your needs met so you can have a more satisfying, secure, and lasting relationship. This course is normally $99, but I'm gifting all my podcast listeners $25 off when you use the code communicate at checkout. To receive this special gift, just hop on over to my website at truerlove.com, 
click on the Love Guidance tab and scroll down to the Conscious Communication mini course. There is so much information packed into this mini course. So if you're interested in learning how I work with my clients, this is the perfect way to start. All right, now that you have all that info, let's get back to today's episode. Going back to this one rule of of being comfortable, is that starting to make sense more? It is. um, I think for me taking your advice lately has been to go slow in the dating. And I think that could also be part of why I'm not gauging my comfort zone because even with this last boyfriend that I had for two years, he asked me to be his girlfriend like two weeks in, like right away. Like he was like, let's do this. And I, I shouldn't have said yes at the time because we, he hadn't even taken me on, on like dates. Like where was the courtship? Where was this, him showing me how he was going to show up as a boyfriend? Right. Right. Like the fact that I accepted his offer to be his girlfriend right away was basically the bar that he's stuck at. He's like, okay, two weeks in, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to give you for the next two years. Right. And that's where we were stuck. And I feel like, you know, I am practicing now that I'm on online dating and just kind of, you know, being open to conversations with gentlemen. There's also something, I don't know that you and I have necessarily talked about this during our sessions, but I would like to in the future is this like friendship foundation Mm -hmm. that I know I want, I know I deserve, I know I seek, but it gets very muddly. And I think that's where the comfort, like I'm, I'm basically trying to reframe my thinking about comfort has to do with a friend. Comfort has to do yes. with my, my friend wants me to be comfortable. Not like, mm-hmm. you know, stop dreaming about like the man is like saving me. It's not the man is saving you. It's that he wants you to be comfortable. And so I've been practicing that with people online when they want to meet me right away or they want to like, I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm like, nope. No, no, thank you. Like, I, I'm much, I'm getting faster at that. And in fact, someone was like, you want to do something? And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, you want to do it over zoom? I'm like, okay, let's do zoom. Zoom dates all all the time, anytime. And he, he offered it, not me. He did. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Okay. Yep. It's gauging how someone is going to like consider your comfort where they're putting your comfort on their list of priorities says a lot about them, their willingness. And if they're really in a space to want to commit, because someone who wants to commit is in tune with that. They're paying attention to you. Like you said, I don't want to have to explain everything. Well, it's paying attention to their actions in those ways. Are they responsive to your comfort level? you know, uh, whatever that may be, or are they open when they don't understand you're uncomfortable, but you voice it, you know, there is a desire to make you comfortable all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. And sometimes they might not be able to, and then sure there's discussion and then maybe there's compromise, but are they willing to, are they wanting to try? And when, when they are, you know, like that guy, even in the simplest of ways, they're not going to judge you for expressing a discomfort. They're not going to make you feel bad for bringing it up, you know? 
Right. And I do it's notice different. the difference. Yeah. And yeah. I do notice the difference because other guys who I say I'm not comfortable with that, they make fun of it or something. And I'm like, that's not, that's making me even more uncomfortable. Like, bye, un- right. unmatch, unfriend. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's really, this is why it's the one rule. It's how you gauge the good ones. It's how you weed people out who aren't going to show up, who are going to make you feel bad. There's no reason for you at this age to be dealing with someone who's making you uncomfortable, period. There's right. no reason. You know, that if anything you deserve, you deserve that, you know, everyone deserves that. I think it's interesting because I am someone who cannot be friends with exes. Like I cannot do either your, what is it called? Either you're my friend or you're my boyfriend, but these men who try to like either, uh, you know, try to revert back to a friend or like whatever, like that's, that stuff makes me uncomfortable, but I'm wondering if that's something I need to be aware of. Like why, why? And it's like, these exes just want to see like, how are you? Like, they're not hurting me. They're just like, Hey, wishing you the best in life. Like hope you're well. And that, that kind of stuff just makes me like clench. I'm like, what do you want to know? What's on your agenda? Why are you checking up on me? Like I immediately clench up. And I don't know if that's something I need to like unroot, be, be aware of. Is that healthy? Maybe it's not healthy. I, I, I don't even know anymore. No, I think it's totally fine. I think it's, it is very difficult to go backwards. Once I you, see. you know, reached a certain level of intimacy with someone, it can be done. And I think there's specific people who can make it happen in specific situations. But I think that the majority of people, once you've reached that level of intimacy with someone, it's hard to backtrack. And just to clarify too, along the front or along the lines of like, you know, being someone's friend versus boyfriend, right? Like, especially at first, right? Because, right, right. Because, you know, let's say we're on the dating apps and sometimes people will say, I'm looking for friends or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm not looking for a friend, right? I'm not like, that's not what I'm here for. And you're not interested in someone who just wants to be your friend. And a guy who just wants to be your friend is going to treat you differently than a guy who's pursuing you. So it's not to say that you just want someone who's going to like treat you like a homie and not make you a priority. But it does mean that they have the core of a foundation of friendship first before things get physical or particularly romantic, right? So that means that they are showing you certain levels of respect they would a friend. They're considering your comfort the way they would a friend. That means that they're, you know, if they say they're going to do something, they show up. Or if they can't do it, they let you know. You know, they respect your time. Um and, and they're not forcing you to have sex or make you feel pressured, you know, like they're okay going slow and just getting to know your rapport a bit first. And that oh. will slowly move into, in the interacting with them in that way, that's what starts to build that foundation of trust and friendship. Because a lot of the time, I think we are so clouded by what we think we want in someone that we compare that visual in our mind against the people we're meeting, you know, and we're uh-huh. immediately from the bat judging, is this the person for me? Can I see this long-term? Yep. Is this right? You know, like yep. immediately yep. instead of just, am I enjoying this person's company? Are they making right. me feel comfortable? Are they respecting right. me? Do I feel like seeing them again? And right. each step of the way asking that and if there is a chance at romance, that intimacy sometimes will surprise you and start to unfold in ways you don't expect. And that's when you'll start to feel romantic towards them. And someone who you might not have expected will be able to meet your needs and make you feel more romantic than you've ever 
expected, you know, because coming from this genuine place instead of this, you know, expectation in your mind of what love is supposed to look like, which is probably what's been guiding your other relationships. Yeah. And it's, so it's interesting you say that though, like guys who post on their uh, profile that they're looking for friends versus others who say I'm looking for a relationship. Mm -hmm. I actually am okay. I mean, it depends, like it depends on other things they list on their profile, but Mm -hmm. if they seem like someone I would like to know, and they say that I actually find it refreshing when they say something along the lines of let's start as friends and see where it goes. That's fine too. Yeah. Cause as I long think as there's for, the see where it goes part, like you want right. to know the intention is there. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think going back to my comfort versus like trying to gauge it, I think there's something to that, that I haven't given it enough of a chance. Like even going back to my recent breakup, like I, he had two weeks and I said yes to him as a girlfriend. But if I had given him two months to show me who he was as a friend, right, then maybe we would be in a different place while I was still dating other people to see what, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So I think giving more, uh, putting more weight in the beginning of being a friend mm-hmm. could help me gauge the comfort zone much better than, oh my gosh, I have such a crush on this guy. He's so hot. He has like, he has a great job. He lives close by, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Start checking all the boxes. Right. That fogs me. And then I'm just like waiting for him to see that I'm amazing and waiting to see that I'm the one. And right. And then like, then I don't even get a relationship. They don't even get what I want or my needs met. So, so yeah, I'm trying to lean into let's be friends. Let's talk. Let's, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do they make an effort? Do they want to see you like, okay, if you you don't want to hang out this week, let's zoom, you know, like that's a great thing, especially during COVID. And I think that, you know, COVID is actually a really great opportunity to slow things down, you know, (laughs) to get, to get to know people more and to try to, you know, really see where do you stand on being tested? Are you willing to get tested before you see me? Right. You know, yeah. Like, are you willing to tell me how many people you hung out with this past week? you know, and are you going to try and be honest about it? Or do you seem like cagey when I ask you those questions, you know? Right. So it's like all That's of that point. stuff is information for you about I, who they are. I have heard, I have a, an influencer I follow and she said she met her husband through a lot of Zoom dates because she likes seeing like his house. <laughs> She's like, when you do, <laughs> when you do Zoom, you see that how they live. Like, That's true. That is true. I hadn't thought about that, but that's another benefit (laughs) she's like weed them out by just doing zoom calls i'm like perfect (laughs) make them show you their bathroom and (laughs) or you know like they say they have their own home but they live with their parents like it'll be obvious basically (laughs) yeah or like they're not willing to do a zoom because secretly they live with their parents they right or they have a girlfriend yeah things like that Yeah, Yeah. that's true. I think it's actually a really great thing too because then especially during covid we don't you know wanting to meet people in person, like you really want to make sure that someone you want to spend your time with, even if it's just a coffee, if you're like sharing, you know, germs or like airspace. (laughs) So it's, I, you know, I used to be really not wanting like back before COVID when I was dating, I used to not really like video dates because I found them awkward. But I think that if you've texted enough and I realized like, actually, then you can actually see who the person is and get a sense of their personality in such a different way. And then, you know, when they go well, you know, sometimes it might be awkward if they're not 
the right person or whatever, but when they go well, it's like, oh, that was actually really cool and easy. And let's, yeah, I do want to see that person. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's a good way to go. Yeah. And I, I definitely am practicing the one rule more and more. And I think I'm someone who's really good at making other people comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I've gauged a lot of my relationships around that. Like, are they happy? Are they wanting to see me? You know, what, whatever the thing is, it was more about them versus me being surprised or me being, um, you know, I think one of the things I even hated with my ex is that he didn't like coffee. He didn't want to sit down and have a cup of coffee or like tea with me or nothing like And to me, that's something so special when you can just enjoy like the morning together just a little bit. Now, I'm not saying I am closed off to people who don't drink coffee, but like if you don't drink coffee, but you should know how important coffee is to me, like buy me a pound of coffee, ask me what you prefer. Like what is, you know, like that is what I want to see from, from that person. Right. Again, your comfort level. And it's, it's really that we are so trained to worry about what they think of us. Right. If their needs are being met. And so it's reframing it. It's just like 180 we have to do that honestly feels a little uncomfortable uh, at first. It's, uh, yes. Right. <laughs> the irony of it. But am I comfortable? Like it's a crazy, simple question to ask yourself. But like, am I? Like, are they concerned about me? Are they? Yeah. Like it's not about if he's drink coffee or if he doesn't, but is he going to sit down and have quality time with me? Maybe right. he orders a breakfast sandwich when you're having your coffee, but right. it's the point of like, yeah, that he knows this is a special time for me. And is he willing to make me happy and make me feel comfortable, you know? Right. right. And, 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 and that's why it comes down to this, like how much am I going to value myself and my own needs and my own desires and believe that if this person can't meet that, that someone else will. Right. And I know someone will. I, I do know Absolutely. that. Um, and I, I'm just trying to take it slow so that I'm aware and not let my um, infatuation of someone take over. Um, I know that I have definitely fallen hard for individuals um, and it has led to no commitment. It has led to no one like I've never even lived with a man. Like I don't, I don't have a man who's wanted to live with me. And you know, well, I take that back. I did have one guy who wanted to live with me, but I wasn't ready. Um, but still like I deserve that. Like I deserve someone who's committed, someone who's going to come home to me, who's going to wake up with me, who's going to check up on my son, who wants to make sure he's also having a good time. And I have, I will say that just briefly being on online dating, um, on a couple apps, I actually like it when someone asks about both my son and I, it's like, how are you? And how's your son? You know, like I'll say, Oh, my son and my son is sick or whatever. He's going through something. I I think he was going through, um, some spouts of something. And I had a couple guys ask me like, how's, how's he doing now? Like that was so important to me, whether or not I like meet them in the future, but just knowing that that was the level of concern they had was, is refreshing. And knowing that there are men out there who will think of me and my, my son, um, really matters. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what I would call. I know I, I say this a lot, but that's what I would call a need, 
right? Like a need for you to feel comfortable is knowing that someone also cares about your son. And that's a place like our needs are where we don't want to settle, right? Like maybe someone's shorter than we want them to be, or they're dressing (laughs) a certain way we don't love, or they don't drink coffee. Like it's really getting clear on like, what are these deal breakers? Like, what are the things that you can compromise on and live with and that can be changed or even so height height can't be my deal breaker height <laughs> uh no I do have a rant about height okay. uh, I'll, I'll just briefly say like especially when you're on like the dating apps if you put like a certain height and then it weeds out someone who's an inch shorter but they were going to be your your perfect person are you really going to pass them up for that one inch and I mean that can be applied to other things too if you know what I mean you know what I mean I mean <laughs> Well, then I need to, I'll, I'll, I'll practice that then. (laughs) That's for another episode, but, but yeah, it's just, but getting clear on what your actual needs are, things that are going to make you uncomfortable if they aren't met. Do you know what I mean? And so that's when I say make a list of needs. That's what I'm talking about. And when we make a manifestation list, that's very different. That's like, you know, a lot of the time we're talking about, I want them tall, dark, and handsome. And, you know, yes, we want them family oriented and we want them funny and all that stuff. But like, we're getting granular here. Like what is going to make you comfortable feeling safe, feeling like you are cared for. Right. You know, cause that feeling goes, seen, feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling respected and acknowledged and considered and prioritized. Those are our needs and they are basic. Yeah. And I will say that I definitely um, excused my ex and gave him points, quote unquote, whenever he was so busy, but he would take a minute to call me, you know, where like, yeah, it was just like these little spurts of efforts he would make. We'd be like, well, I called you. Like, you know, I, I, I answered the phone. Like he would say, you know, you're the only one who I answer when it rings. That kind of stuff made me feel special, but that was the limit of it. Right. It wasn't him planning the weekend with me or like when it was, it was like pulling teeth. (laughs) Right. But yeah, it wasn't, um, like him wanting to have a movie night. I think when we would have COVID made it nice for us to have like once a week, we would try to watch a movie or get together and that stuff made me comfortable, but it would take so much effort to agree on when to make sure he had his schedule together, like all this. And I'm like, why is it so hard to just see my boyfriend? Yeah. Why is it this hard? And I, and I think that was something I wasn't like, I think I wasn't, that made me uncomfortable, but I wasn't saying that was making uncomfortable or I wasn't processing that the level of energy it takes to see you makes me uncomfortable. Like I wasn't even processing that. Yeah. So I will now. It's all the little things. It's all the little (laughs) things. Like, relationships like they feel so big in our mind when we are not in them or when we don't have them right they're this thing that's distant from us that we want right and so it becomes this big thing but really relationships are made up of all these teeny little moments and all these teeny little conversations and gestures and those things all mean something you know Mm -hmm. and they're all worth paying attention to and that's why when you are going slow and being someone's friend you notice them more you know, in the same way that when you're getting to know a friend, it can happen really fast and easy if they're wonderful. But like when they do something, you usually bring it up and call it out and like deal with it because that's what friends do, you know? Right. You know, I mean, obviously there are unhealthy relationships or friendships or whatever, but like, it's much easier to do because there's less on the line. It feels less vulnerable. 
you know, but like, that's the same, the same thing that we want to work on doing in our romantic relationships. Yeah. I mean, I know friendships like girl friendships are different versus, versus, um, boyfriends, but there is some commonalities like the easiness, the under the willing to listen to each other or, you know, and I think, you know, just even looking at my friendships, how they, how they've evolved and how they are now. Like if I was to say to a friend, like, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. They would be mortified. They would be like, Oh my God, like, what what do you mean? Like, and I think that's what I want the reaction from my ideal mate to be where I say I'm uncomfortable. And they're like, you are like, what can I do? Like, I didn't know. I had no idea. Like, and that's, that's what I crave. That's what Mm -hmm. I think. That's what I deserve. So absolutely. Absolutely. You deserve it. And, um, you will get it. You will get it, but it's, it's believing it. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions before we hop off today? No, I do want to work with you, continue to work with you. So, um, I will save, you know, I'll, I'll keep raising uh, my questions then, but thank you for this. It was really helpful. You are very welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you got a lot out of our episode today, I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll spend the time talking just like my guest and I did, getting you clear on what's blocking you from having the relationship you really want. All you have to do to book this free call is hop over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab, and you'll see the option to book your clarity call right there at the top. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you could rate and review it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore to stay up to date with tons of love and attachment information, resources, and offerings. You can also take my free attachment quiz that you can find both on my website and my Instagram page. All right, I think that's all for now. So until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.